you know, um, I, I, we, we stood before, but I ask you stand one more time as we go back over this particular memory verse. And it's found in 1 Samuel 27, starting at verse 1. And I'll, I'll read again. Then David said in his heart, now I shall perish someday by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should, speed, should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. And Saul would despair of me to escape me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. Then, then David arose and went with the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Moak, king of Gath. So David dwelt in, with Achish at the Gath, and he and his men, each man to his household, and David with his two wives, uh, he known the uh, Jezreelitess and Abigail, the Carmelitess, and Nabal's widow. And it was told uh, Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. The title of my message, you may be seated, is when things go wrong, when things Go wrong. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. We pray that you would be with those who, who, uh, who braved the storm to come out this morning and, and those who are online that are watching, that, that your spirit will be filled and will fill them and that we will leave this place changed because we all will deal with this at some point in our time. And we just pray that you give us the strength and the clarity to be able to deal with it when things happen in our lives. These things we ask in holy name. Amen. When things go wrong. See, I am 50, I always go back and forth with my wife. I'm 58 years old. Believe it or not, I'm two years away from 60. And, 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 and one thing I've discovered in my 58 years of this life is that there's some things that are never given. Some things are never given in this life. We say, well, what is that? I call them the three givens. The way it is set up is that, that we either are about to go through something, we just came out of something, or we're in the midst of something right now. Those are the three givens in this life. See, we have to understand that we will be going through waves of circumstances in our life, whether, whether, whether it's our health, whether it's relationships, or, 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 or our finances. Something is going to happen in our life. There's one thing that we can count on is hardship will come our way. Hmm. How do we maintain ourselves in spite? And that's the challenge of it all, because we know we're going to be dealing with mess, but how are we going to deal with it when it gets there? Well, when you think of trouble, trouble is derived from the Greek word terasso, which means to agitate, inward commotion. It's, it's issues to stir up, to render anxious or distressed. That's how I felt this week. I, I was anxious. I was distressed. And I'm like, Lord, where are you? In the midst of my anguish. But the Lord said, again, he shows up. See, it's not about the process because we all know we're going to be dealing with mess. The question is, how are we going to deal with the process when it comes? See, the Spinifestration tells us that God sends trials to prove who will stand faithful under temptation. God sent this trial. See, we have to understand the dynamics of it. He brings all into trying positions to, to see if they will trust in a power out of and above themselves. Everyone has undiscovered traits of character that, that, that must come to light through trial. God allows those. God allows those with self-sufficiency to be sorely tempted. I have to recognize. See, what I realize in this life is 
See, I'm a scientist. I love talking science all the time. But the one thing that I have, I, I, that I have discovered, even in the church, is that we many times adopt mindset of, of, of evolution. Do you realize it's in here in the church? And I'll explain that in a minute. We have evolutionary concepts. Now, let's go to the Bible just kind of to kind of build on this concept. And this is we are familiar with that, with our um, memory verse. We are, you know, our scripture reading this morning. This is David said in his heart that he shall I should not perish. Basically, David was dealing with Saul. We all knew the back and forth, the dynamic that was going on with David and Saul. David was had a charmed life. Remember, this is the same David who 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 slew the giant. Goliath. They, 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 they talked about David. They sung about David. They made songs about him. He was supposed to be the next heir to the throne. He had everything going for him. But something happened. Again, as humans, sometimes we, 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 things kind of creep up in us. See, Saul was, was anointed. He was the first king. But, but he, he couldn't take it anymore. He, he, he kept hearing the people sing and Saul killed, you know, he, he killed thousands, but David, 10,000. He got tired of it. So he says, I'm going to have to do something about this. He got mad. He, got, he started saying, okay, enough of this. David did nothing wrong to him. David did nothing. He was just a young child. Well, he actually was much older at this time. But the fact of the matter is he was also anointed, and he was, gonna, he was heir to the king, to the throne. Saul didn't care about that. And, 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 and so, so we see that, that David was, was dealing with issues in his life. Remember, Saul now flipped the script, and now he was trying to destroy David. How many times have we seen that happen where, where people would get so jealous of us and, and, and envious of and envious in us where they would actually be about our demise? See, what we have to do, what we have to understand in this particular story is that David failed to realize that in spite of Saul's conniving, God was silently working out his will. See, see, David was, was every time he fled the palace for a minute and, and he was hiding in caves and, and he was running from Saul's men and he, 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 he got to a point where he got tired of it. He said that David only saw the constant stress and adversity in spite of all that he had done for his countrymen. They, they manifested no sympathy to him. He, 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 he recalled the men of Keilah who, who turned him in to Saul or, or, or the Ziphites who, who twice informed Saul of his whereabouts and, and Noble who proved unfriendly. But downtrodden, he finally found refuge. He finally said, you know what? I'm leaving. Enough of this. And he seeked other, other, other options without having God part of the discussion. See, see when we, what, what Saul did is what many of us do. He left the church. Saul said, when we deal with stuff, the first default many times is we, you heard people say, I'm so mad that I had to set Jesus aside. And I, I, I had to set him aside because I was about to cuss him out. We see that, the same thing. This is many times when we leave the church, we usually run out of church not by doctrine. It is not a doctrinal belief that people leave the church, but by relationships. That's why many of us have left the church. Information without relationship is nothing more than intimidation. Some of the biggest challenges in the church, that the biggest communication problem is that we do not listen to understand, we listen to reply. Many times we in the church, you know, you know, we have to understand. I mean, we come to church. I, I, I've called members. Why aren't you in church? I have nothing to do with that church anymore. What? Somebody, somebody upset me. 
They insulted me. I'm not stepping foot in that place again. Well, you know, Matthew 7, 21 says that not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of God, we have to understand that conflicts will arise here. See, we have to understand that anyone who thinks sitting in church can make you a Christian must also think that sitting in a garage will make you a car. It's all about perspective. For where God built a church, the devil was also there who built a chapel. We have to understand that everybody in the church ain't of him. Everybody here ain't living the life that he, that he wants us to live. When you go away and sin, and this is what we have to be careful. We have to be careful. When you go away and sin, you do not go by yourself. People are watching you, including your enemy. Our enemy, the devil loves isolation. You see, we're drawn away from the only source that can change our situation. The devil knows that. That's why he doesn't want us to pray. We talked about it in the Sabbath school lesson. What is the purpose of prayer? Why do we pray? Should we pray? The reason why we, play, we pray is the same reason why we plug our car. Up. Or, you know, if you have an electric car, you plug it in, in, in your wall. Or, or if you have a lamp, it's the, you, you separate yourself from the source of power, the only source that can change your situation. See, the devil doesn't want us to pray. Satan trembles at the sound of fervent prayer. Do you know that when you are, 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 are forlorn and you, you, you bow down on your knees, do you know that those angels, those demons see you and they start to tremble? You want to know why? Because the Bible says, see, Satan gets PTSD when you pray. Why? Because he knows who you're praying to. See, he knows that God's awesome power will be manifested if you come to him with a contrite heart. He says, he, he knows that the, the demons see that. They say, oh, no, he's praying, to that. he's praying to the Father. Oh, no. And they fear and tremble. As I said, Satan remembers his, his, his last attacks. He remembers when he was in heaven. He remembers when he, when he started acting up. He remembers when, 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 when Christ set up, came up to him and said, listen, enough of you. Remember, even Christ talks about that encounter in Luke 10, 18, where the Bible says that he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning out of heaven. Basically, he punched him out of heaven. He said, enough of you. The devil remembers that. The devil knows that he had a place up there. The devil knows that, that, that at one time he was there, but he's here because he was booted out of heaven. So when we pray, he remembers, he starts remembering all those things. He remembers that, that right hook he took. Right there. And he landed on this earth. But we see that, that, that now, as we go back to our story, in 1 Samuel 28 now, David gets comfortable with his enemy. So we see the devil, the, that, that David, he, he, he was in the church. He, he had a charm life. He was going to be the, the, the king, the next king. And, and everything was going well until Saul became an nincompoop. He became an idiot and decided to take him out. So this time, David and his troops left and his family. And now they left the church, but of all places, he went into the world. Of all places, he went to the enemy. It says in verse 28, verse 1, it says, Now what happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war and to fight the Israel. And Cassius said to David, You will surely know that you are, will go out to battle with me, you and your men. See, what Achish is noticing is that there's something unique about David. That, 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 that although David left the church and he was trying to hide, he was trying to get away from his adversity, the Lord was still with him. And the Lord still blessed his encounters. Though he would allowed him to go on various raids of, of neighboring countries because they were all still considered it, uh, uh, enemies to Israel. But he, he did that. But then something happened. 
One day, the king told him, he said, in fact, the king told him, you're going to be my bodyguard. I see the works of your hands. I see how efficient you are. I see how, how blessed you are. God must still be with you. Now, he's among the enemy now. Mm. But then they said, one day, one day, David, you know, found out that, you know what, we're going to do an attack on Israel, on your people. That changes everything. See, it's one thing that when you are part of another group and, and it doesn't inflict with home, your home life. But he, said, but he saw that that happened. And then we see it in verse 20, in chapter 29, then the Philistines gathered together all the armies of Faithic and Israelites encamped by the fountain of, of Je, uh, Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed by hundreds and thousands. But David, now it says that, now David knew that this was a little bit unique. This is, here we are preparing for battle against our people. Don't you think this is going to be a little weird? So he said, let's go to the back of the line. So maybe they won't notice this too much. You know, when we go into the world and you have a, have a Christian upbringing, do you know you stand out? Regardless of how you try to act a fool. Did you know that? Once you have come into the company of God and, and, and his glory has been has laid on your face, on your countenance, you are ever changed. You go out there. That's why you see some of us do some of the craziest stuff because we're trying to, to, to dilute our, our, our blessing. We, 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 we the loudest. We, we cuss the most. We, 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 we drink the most. We, 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 we smoke the most. We try to, to, to dilute our blessing. But David, David couldn't find, he couldn't, they couldn't get over it. He said in, in verse 1, then he says, as the Philistines gathered, and the lords of the Philistines passed by review, hundreds and thousands, and David passed. Remember, he went to the rear, rear. Then the princes of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? He got found out. You'll get, if you would get found out, you would go to the bar. You start acting and partying the food. Somebody, they, somebody would look at you and like, you're different. What do you mean I'm different? I'm like everybody else. Have me another one. On me. Get, what, what's the hardest stuff you got up in here? You're different. We are noticed by the world. That's how it is. But the fact of the matter is, it says that they said, is this, this is not the man of Hebrews. And we see that uh, uh, King Achish was trying to buffer him by this whole experience. He said, the servant called uh, uh, king of Israel who had been with, with him these th three days. They said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's that David that you heard about. Yeah, he's that David who, who's the servant of Saul. But look at what he's done. We've gone on raid after raid after raid. And David has proved himself to be exemplary. But that wasn't good enough. The prince of the Philistines were angry with him. So the prince of the Philistines said to him, may this fellow return. We're not going out with him. We don't trust him. I don't care who, what he's done with us this time. He has a legacy that we don't appreciate. Get him out of here. And we see that Achish had no choice. I mean, even them had heard it before. Even they were saying, uh, is this not David with whom the sang one another, they danced one another. This is verse 4, Samuel 29, first Samuel 29. Saul had slain thousands and David 10,000. They even heard his song. Mm. Then Achish called David and told him, surely as the Lord lives, I, I, you are a good man. You are a godly man. You are a great soldier. You have helped us in our, in our cause. But I'm sorry, you've heard, the, you've heard my boys. There's no way they're going to go to battle with you. And so we see that he, he changed it, and basically they told him. Then Anchorage answered David, because David said he tried to plead his case. He said, didn't I do this? And look what I've done for you. But verse, verse 9, and Anchorage answered and said to David, I know that you are as a good man in my sight, as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the princes of the Philistines have spoken. 
and have said, he shall not go out with us to battle. Verse 10, now therefore rise early in the morning and your master's servant who will come to you. And as soon as you're up early, you got to bounce. So we see David, he left the church because he was under distress. Now he went into the world among his enemies and he had to leave them. They're kicking him to the curb. You see that he's not having a good day. So we see that, that we go, that it, but it wasn't over. It wasn't over. It was final conflict. Now it happened when David and his men were, were, were came to Ziklag. Now, Ziklag was a small community that was given to him when he, when he came and joined their ranks. This was a place where his family was there and, and, and all of their, their livestock and all of their belongings were in this city. And this is where they were staying there when they had left, it, when they left Israel. They left Judah. But, but, but they were on their way home. Now, they got, he left church. He, he, he got kicked out by the world. And so he said, well, what are we left to do? We have no country. We, where do we have to go? So we just go go back to the area that they saved us from or that they set aside. So they're on their way uh, to back to Ziklag and said, on the third day that the Amalekites had in, invaded the south and in Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were with them there, there from small to great. And they did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and there was burned with fire they were walking they had already remember now he left the church and now he he, he got kicked out the world didn't want him. his enemies didn't want him they were on their way home with the tails between their legs and, and they started smelling some they saw fire rising and, and when they got to the city everybody was abducted their family their wives their children Everyone was gone. Then David, with his people who were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They had reached a point in their life that, that, that how bad can this thing get? To the point where, in verse 6, now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke a stoning of him. Now, it got that bad. You know, he left the church. He got kicked out by the world. He, 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 he now was on his way back to grab his family and stay with his family, and they're gone. These boys now, they were, they were talking about killing him. You are the reason why we're out here. And we see that sometimes. But this is what verse 6 sums it up, though. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of the people was grieved. Every man of his sons and daughters. But David, and this is where we must get to a point, but David strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? David began to reflect on, on, on how God had, had, had intervened in his life in the past. David remembered, the Lord gave him memories of uh, him kill, killing the, the, the lion and, and, and the bear. Gave him, memory, gave him memories of, of him slaying a nine foot tall man. He didn't have the strength to do that. With a slingshot. He knew it wasn't him. They say Goliath's sword alone was almost 100 pounds. He knew that that was not him. He started to reflect. He started to reflect on, on, on all these amazing miracles. I remember when I was dealing with my issue this week. And I got a headache. And I was so frustrated with the way things were going. It's like, it's like, the, I, was trying to be, it's like I was being crushed from adversity. Then the Lord reminded me. He says, Mark. Do you remember what happened to you back in Ohio? And I thought about that thing. I'm going I'm to give you a testimony. I remember uh, years ago, I was very new in my marriage. Uh, we, well, we, actually, we had all our kids. Um, so it was probably 10 years 
I had been married 10 years, 15, something like that. But I had a critical health scare. I I heard my, I was down there, I heard my dad was sent to the hospital, got a call from my mom or from my brother, I believe, and so I was on my way up to see him. I was sitting in my car, but for some reason I couldn't move. I was just sitting there. And I, and, and I was just, you know, so my wife came out because she knew where I was, she thought I was going somewhere. She came out and saw me just sitting there. She's like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm a, I, you know, I just kind of responded. But, but anyway, she said, well, look, I tell you what, let me take you up to see your dad. Because you don't, you, she thought that I was under, she thought that whatever was dealing with going on with my dad was affecting me emotionally. But that wasn't it. When we, when we got in the car, we were on the way up to Michigan. I said, turn around, I got to go to the hospital. So she turned the car around, and, but by the time we got towards the hospital, that's the end of the story as far as I can remember. I, I, it, I, was, I was done. What was going on? So she got off, and, and I do remember. This is the story now of what she told me secondhand, because from that point on, I don't remember what happened. But she, she got off the road, and we actually went one exit past the hospital, and we were out in the middle of nowhere. We were, there was no hospital there. There was nothing out there. And, 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 and she was trying various ways to try to figure out where we are and how can I get help. And in fact, she got to the end of this road where she saw a little bit of light. It was like a gas station. And she went to the gas, she went to the gas station. There were three young boys sitting there. Now, this is almost at 11 o'clock at night. She couldn't see their faces, but they had like hoodies on, covered up. And they're all sitting there. And she said, where, where am I? My, my, my husband is sick. I got to get him to the hospital. And, then she, and he said, one of the guys just got up and handed her phone. The phone already said 911. She got on the phone. And she said, and when, the, when the dispatcher answers the call, she, she told him, I don't know where I am. The guy said, you are at such and such street on the corner of such and such. Told her exactly where they were. Within two minutes, the paramedics were there. Now, when the paramedics were there with me and they were gathering, you know, they were, uh, you know, working on me, uh, she said, they, she looked over there, they were all gone. And the building that she thought was occupied was closed. This was an encounter. I recognized that. And, we, and when I got into the, the, the paramedics, they told me, when I came to, they said, Mark, we don't know how you were able to survive, but your blood sugar level was 38. You should have died. When I, when I thought about that, I recognized that God preserves you. That was not me. I had nothing to do with it. God interjects in our life. God, and, and, and just like with David, God will give us verses like Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalms 50, 15. Call upon me in a day of trouble. I will deliver you. God hears our prayers, and, and, and he, you shall glorify me. 1 John 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call on me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. God hears us. Whether it's our deepest points, any point of our life, because he's always there with us. We have to always reflect that when we are at our darkest moment, there's only one way we can go. And that's up. God is there. 
And that's what I have to remember. Pray, you know, God provides. You know, we have to remember that prayer is asking God for what we don't have. Praise is anticipating the blessing in advance, saying, I know you will do it. He's not worried about your outcome because you have the faith that he will come through for you. The fact of the matter is, is that I'm here this morning because my wife said, Jesus, I need help. And he was there in just in time. And, I, and for that, Yes, I'm, I'm prompted to always say praise and give a testimony to the Lord because I would not be up here today if it wasn't for God's divine intervention in my life. We have to, we have to understand that God knows best. We see that, that we, the pen of inspiration tells us that we may all desire immediate and direct prayers in our, uh, uh, answers to our prayers. And we all do. It's impatient to pray. Sometimes when you're waiting on the answer and are tempted to become discouraged when answers is delayed or, or come in an unlooked for, for form. But God is too wise and too good to answer our prayers always just in time and in just the manner he, we desires. What's interesting to me is that God measure out the, 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 the risk. God knew that I needed help now. So he was there now. Two minutes it took those paramedics to get to where we were. But sometimes does, God doesn't answer our prayers right away. But we have to be patient knowing that he heard it. And he's going to take care of it in his time and his way. And so we say he, he, would, he would do more and better than us to accomplish all of our w wishes. See, see, basically God has to remind us that, that we're not an ATM. Or he's not an ATM. You know, he, we, he's not just a, you tell me, he's he not a genie in a lamp. I give you three wishes. What do you desire? He's working on our character. And the plans of God are always the best, although we may be not always discern them. Perfection in Christian character can be obtained only through labor, conflict, and self-denial. We do not always count upon this and do not consider the painful or often protracted process of purifying our soul. It's not easy. It's not easy to wait on the Lord. But when we're dealing with things, we, you know, we, we talked about in the Sabbath school lesson. That's why I was so aligned with my sermon this morning. Basically, many times we operate in this reality based on what we see and hear and feel and touch. We also operate on the fact that we have the intellect to get out of our situations. But God will sometimes shut us down for us to recognize, no, 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 no. I am the one who gives you the ability. And when we understand that, we begin to recognize that God is all within us. As I was saying before, when I talked about, when I made reference of the fact of being a scientist and how the church also sometimes operate on evolutionary principles, what is an evolutionary principle is the fact that it's luck or just happen chance. God is not a God of luck. He orchestrates everything in our lives. And we see, we see that, that, that finally when, when, when David began to recognize that, that he, he remember, remember his Sabbath school lessons and, and his early Bible studies and, and all the experiences in his life, he began to recognize that, okay, enough of this, enough of me, and he consults on the Lord. First Samuel 30 verse 7 says, Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Amalek's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And then David asked God. So David inquired of the Lord, Lord, shall I pursue the troops? They have my family. Shall I overtake them? But this is how, God, how good God is. In First Samuel in verse 12, it says, And he answered him, pursue, pursue for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. See, see, this is, see, I sometimes pray to God. He doesn't give me the, the, the outcome of my prayer. Sometimes. But, but well, we know there's an outcome because we're praying to God. 
See, it's our mindset. Although we can't see it, we can't conceptualize it. We may even not even have an answer how to deal with it. But you pray to God, and the answer will come. And we see that Samuel 30, verse, verse 9, we see that, that he gave him his answer. He, he gave him his answer. He's, he told him what will happen. Not only did he tell him he'll get his stuff back, but he told him that every, what the out, final outcome is going to be. Everything that happened to you, you're going to get your wife back, you're going to get your children back, and you're going to get all the rest of yourself back. God has said it, so you know what's going to happen. So we see God's provisions. Then David said to him, to whom do you, you know, you know they, were out, they were walking out in this field, and, and, and this is what I find God's providence. And we see this here in verse up here, in verse, um, this is verse 11. But, so David went, and he and his 600 men, they were out there. So now he, had, he heard from God, he was on his way, and he went to the brook Bashur, where, where 200 of his men were left behind because they were tired. But David said, we're going to pursue forward because God answered my prayer. And David and his 400 men, they, they went there, and, and, and then out of, out of nowhere, they, they saw this, this, this young kid in the middle of the field. They said they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and he, they gave him bread, and he ate, and he let, and then watered a drink. Now, 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 do you think this was a coincidence? I mean, I mean think about this. And, and so David asked him, that, that, so, so to whom do you belong, and, and where are you from? And he said, I'm a young man from Egypt, servant of the Amalekites, and my master's left me behind because I fell sick three days ago. But we made an invasion. He told him the whole story. We made an invasion in the area of the Sherilites and, and in the territory which belonged to Judah. And then we went to the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. He told, and then David said to him, hmm, can you, tell, take, can you take me to his troops? And this is what was interesting to me in verse 15. He says, said to him, he said to him, swear to me that by the God that you would neither kill me nor deliver me to the hands of my master. Mm. So basically he says, look, I'm willing to snitch. I'm out of here. They done left me out of here in the middle of nowhere. They left me to die. Y'all rolled up on us. Heck yeah, I'm going to tell you where they are. I'm going to tell you what they, where they are, what they're wearing, what they like to eat, what they like to drink, where they live. And that's what he did. And he said, then David, God's provision, you know, then David said to him, to whom, you know, when he talked to him. And we see what we have to understand is that nothing happens by accident. See, with him, luck doesn't exist. God is, does not believe in oops. Many times we, we, we feel that, that life is so circumstantial, that life is so random. Random is evolutionary. God is a God of order. Everything, he, if, he, if he knows even my cut hair and all those who cut their hair even closer, he still knows how many hair would have been there and there now. He, 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 he can count all the hair follicles. He can count them one at a time. They're numbered. That's the love of God that we serve. He knows everything there is. Everything that happens is by design, not just always about us. And that's what we have to understand. Whatever we're dealing with, many times God is trying to get our attention. We see people in the world who, who, who are downtrodden and dealing with one thing and after another thing. All God is trying to do is to get our attention to recognize that he's God. 
and he wants to work with us. Then David said he attacked them uh, through the night to twilight. This is verse, verse 17 in, in 1 Samuel 30. Until the evening of the next day, not a man of them escaped, hundred, uh, except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives, and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from him. David recovered all just what God told him. Then David took all his flock and herds they had driven before the livestock and said, this is David's spoil. We have to understand that when it comes to God, and this is my encouragement because we're, sometimes we come off the high of, of, of the new year. You know, we, we're excited about our resolutions. We're excited about, you know, what the new year has to, has to uh, you know, is promised to us and some of the things that, that, that we can expect and some of the promises and things that we're making about what we're going to be doing. But the fact of the matter is, is that in the new year, maybe trouble. It may be some issues that you're not prepared for. But it doesn't matter because God has already told us that I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what you deal with in this life, I am in your midst. And that's why, and this is what's so encouraging. I try to get my children to understand this. When, you know, they're sweating over jobs and they're sweating over uh, competition and things. I don't know if I can do this or, or I don't know if, they'll, if I'm well qualified. When, when God says himself, when he opens no, a door, no one will, can shut it. So basically God is telling us that if, you, if it's your blessing, then nothing anybody can do about it. The devil can't even intervene. All the devil can do is try to discourage you from accepting your blessing. But he can't block it because God said, I, if God opened that door. We heard today talking about windows of heaven. And God will bestow upon us a blessing. That's true. He will bless us. God will bless who he wants to bless. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. You're on your job. You have people plotting against you. You're on your job and, and folks are trying to say certain things. And I was, I was frustrated at that because there was something I was trying to do. But the Lord told me, listen, read your Bible because everything in this life is given a solution. So as I close this message, I want you to remember that God is always with us. A life is a walk to remember. Our tomorrows are determined by the steps we take each day. Every sunset gives us one day less to live, but every sunrise gives us one more day to hope. So savor every step and live it well because God walks with us every step of the way. We're not alone in this walk, beloved. You cannot have a testimony without a test. Many times we talk about, I need to be a witness. Well. What you witnessing about that's going to really make people listen and want to hear what you got to say? The fact of the matter is that God will put you through some stuff, and when you, when you come out of that thing, now you have something to say. That was my story this week. I can't just get up, and, 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 and I'm not just a professor just teaching you a lesson. This is what happened to me. God can make ways out of no way. We, and as we said before, we, uh, we do not bring God down to us. He brings us up to him. The fact of the matter is, is that many of the things we deal with is so that we could be a testimony. It's not just about, see, there's one thing, one of the things I've learned when, since teaching the Sabbath school lesson is that when we go through things in this life, it's never just about us. There's people watching us. There's people who are related to us. Everybody sees, how is he going to come out of this situation? How is he going to handle the situation? How is it going to, you know, we're, we are such powerful testimonies to people. Not trying to be one, in particular, because I'll be honest with you, when I'm dealing with some of the stuff I'm dealing with, I'm not trying to, to, I'm not trying to witness to nobody. I'm, just, I'm trying to get out of it. 
But when I hear someone who's dealing with something that I had dealt with or similar, now I can relate. Now I can say to them, don't worry about that thing. Trust in the Lord. Mm. In happy times, we praise him because it's going to be some happy times. But in difficult times, we seek him. See, that's the time where that's where the devil tries to intervene. So whenever we're going through something, he wants to put God to the side so that we separate ourselves from the only source of, of resolution in our life. How many times have we seen that? In quiet moments, we trust him because we have to lean on his guidance and direction. The fact of the matter is that God lives in an in existence that's outside of our, we don't see him. See, see, if God was sitting on the third, if, we, if he was sitting on the, on the third pew, which his angels are in here, but we don't see nobody. But he hears everything we see, that we say, and, and he's orchestrating everything in our life. We, we have to recognize that although I, that's where faith steps in. God, our, our, our six senses in, that's where God begins in interacting with us. In every moment, we have to thank him. We have to thank him for being alive. I thank him for keeping me alive. I thank him for intervening in my personal life because I would not be here today if God didn't say, I'm not done with you yet. So we have three points as I conclude this message. One, we must pray for divine guidance and direction. Psalms 32, 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Uh, our second point is God will provide a way through his divine providence. Wait, listen, and move. See, see that's the thing. We can't see everything. We have, we, we, in fact, I, I dare to say that we only see for, for the mathematicians, 0.1% of, of, of all the, the ways that God has to work things in our life. He, we, we, we're so limited as mortals. We've lost our, brine, our, our minds. We don't have the 100% intellect. Even with that, we're still limited. But God who sees and he knows knowing, he lives in the past, he lives in the future, and he dwells with us in the present. We can't relate to a being like that. That's why we have to have faith. In Daniel 4.35 says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Basically, God is saying, I don't need you for nothing. You live your life as though you don't need nothing from me. But I'm still orchestrating things. You, you, you know, we, we, we go through this life sometimes that's so self-assured of our, of our decisions. And where we, we you know, I'm going to go to the store for bread. There's some people that was on their way to the store for bread and never came back. You have some people that, 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 that were on their way to work and they never made it. The life here is not guaranteed. That's why we have to trust him in everything we do. And the last point is he will offer provisions for us. He will make a way many times out of no way. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. The fact of the matter is, is that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Many times when we look at that, that concept, so hard for us to think. But the money that we make, that the, 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 the resources that he gives us, is still so small in compared to the blessings. You can have a car. My wife's car stopped working. That was one of the things I was frustrated with. But then the Lord reminded me that car had almost 260,000 miles on it. I had that car since 2007. All my kids grew up in that car. And I'm like, what am I worried about a car for? That lasted almost 300,000 miles. God said, I have given you grace. That even made it that far. 
It's all about our perspective. We had, we had an old dryer that you know how when the new dryer, the new, low, what do you call those new dryers? The, uh, uh, you know, that high, what do you, the ones that, that, yeah, high efficiency. When they first came out, you know how, how it is. You know, we, we had our regular old dryers and, and those dryers came out. I told, my, I told Cleo, I said, you know, we need a new dryer. Well, the other dryer's working. I said, well, when, when that dryer goes bad because it's getting old, yeah, we'll get a new one. Do you know that sucker just, just sitting like it just lasted forever? I'm like, you know, you get to the point, break down so I can have the, the, the reason to, to change. That teacher went on and on and on. And finally it did kind of kick, kick, you know, kick it to the curb. It is what it is. But my point is that God can preserve. Many times when we think of blessings, we think monetarily. But it's health. It's, 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 it's other things, relationships. Some people will stick with you. You, you are hard-headed. Nunk- well, I'm going to go there. But, you, but, but they'll stick with you regardless. You, it, it, it's, it's finances. Sometimes you, 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 you come up with money and, and, and you're like, how did this happen? And I think about this stuff all the time. God blesses us in ways that we can't even quantify. Mm. But he's a God of provision. So as I, as I close this message, I just want you all to, to keep in mind that regardless of what may happen in this life, nothing catches God by surprise. When we are dealing with our most stressful situations, always remember that God is in the midst of your circumstance. Maybe this is happening because you, instead of frustratingly you know, asking, you know, why me? Ask the question, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Obviously, because you are in charge of everything. You see everything. You know everything. So obviously, this didn't catch you by surprise. So why is this happening to me? What is the lesson for me? And I think when we, when we start living our life with that level of certainty, things won't stress us as much. We won't be as, as downtrodden as much. We won't be, you know, there, there's so much mental illness today. It's all not genetic. All of it's not genetic. Some of it's circumstantial because of the things that we're dealing with. We internalize it. We, we, keep, you know, we keep everything inside us. You know, men used to be raised to not, to, and they would be ostracized for shedding a tear. Now they realize that these men are, 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 are succumbing to, to mental illness because they never let it out. God knows best. Lean on him. Trust in him. Don't hold things in. Let it out. So as I close this message, I just want to remind us all that things are going to happen in this life. The Bible has told us that, that there will be trouble every single moment. There will be trouble in our lives at some point in our lives. But the fact of the matter is trouble doesn't, isn't your undoing. Trouble is just another opportunity where God is trying to work on our character because that's all we've taken out of here is our character. Now, even that is hard for me to believe. How am I going to recognize you? Well, you're going to recognize them because you recognize how, yeah, in, a, in a relationship that you had because of the character. But that's what the Lord is working with us today. So don't fear. Don't, don't leave them. Don't forsake them. Don't put them to the curb. As some people say, don't set, don't, don't set the Lord aside so you can have the freedom to cut somebody out. Keep him the center of everything because as we, as, as, as we heard before, that it's a lot of times the people you're dealing with, it's not necessarily them. It's not them. They're under the influence. The devil knows what gets under your skin. And that's what I have to remember. The devil knows how to, he sees your family lineage. He knows what you don't like. He knows what you can't handle. He knows. So he tries to pick, pick.
pick, pick at us. But all we do is say, you know what? Devil, I, I see what you're doing. I'm just going to give it to my daddy. The one that, 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 that punched you out of heaven. Let's bow our heads, Father in heaven. Thank you so much for just the privilege and honor of knowing that 2024 is a new start. But there's some things that will still be consistent in 2024. And that's that there will be times when we will have adversity and trouble in our lives and our miss. But it doesn't matter because you've already told us these things were going to happen, that issues are going to happen, that stuff is going to happen in our lives. The question is, how are we going to handle the situations? We have to remember to, to fight our default, which is dealing how humans react, and to put our faith and trust in divine on how you will react by intervening in our lives and helping us through whatever situations we're dealing with. You never left folks out there naked and ashamed. You always came to our aid. So we have no reason to fear that you'll go leave us out there now. Thank you, Lord, for the promises that we have. Thank you, Lord, for the gift uh, uh, and the hope that you've given us. And keep us, Lord, in your bosom and help us to keep reminded of the miracles in our past so that prepare us for the many struggles in our future. These things we ask your holy name. Amen, amen, amen. May God bless you all.